0: The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. And a very pleasant welcome to you. This is Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. This radio broadcast and podcast has the purpose of making clear the what's and how's of eternal salvation, what it is, and how such a gift is received. We say faith alone, because that's what the Bible says. This week and today, how important is a testimony and how important is how you give a testimony? Catherine Wright and Bob Wilkin have been sharing these things, and they continued this topic today. Here's a question. How could your testimony be a better reflection of Jesus Christ? And the discussion will follow right after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org. We'd love you to go there and find out more about the Grace Evangelical Society. We'd especially like to keep on your mind our national conference coming up in May. It's going to be a wonderful time, great teachers, great fellowship, and a wonderful place to stay at a family camp. Find out more about it on faithalone.org. Now then, Bob and Catherine with today's discussion.
1: All right, welcome back to Grace in Focus. I'm here again with Catherine Wright. I'm really enjoying, Catherine, this discussion of testimonies.
2: Awesome, I'm so glad. It's a passion project for me. I've had a lot of conversations with folks on it. It's important.
1: All right, now when I was about 10, my grandparents had a a ranch a little bit north of Los Angeles. And one time there was this bee's nest. I got a stick and I was hitting the bee's nest and I think I got stung about 10 (laughs) times before I jumped in this big, like, reservoir they had. I think at the end of the last session, you kind of hit the bee's nest because you said, let's talk about objections, and then you gave the example of three testimonies of Paul in the book of Acts, in Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26, Mm -hmm. and even Philippians chapter 3. Since you raised the issue, (laughs) why don't you start us out? What is it that most people say about... Saul or Paul, mm-hmm. and how he gives us an example of before Christ, I was this terrible person. Right. Here's how I came to Christ, and here's what a wonderful person I am after I came. To-
2: Let me just say this: I realize that this is a very sensitive topic. Right, you know, we're really going to the heart of a lot of people, in that this is their stories, and it can be very difficult. And so just know that, you know, our our intention is not to hurt anybody's feelings. It's just we want to look at the scriptures and have our testimonies reflect what God's word says. So
1: one of the ways I get people irritated is I tell them they should change their testimony. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if somebody says like that friend of mine that five years before I believed that by faith in Christ, I was eternally secure, I was born again. Mm hmm. Because my language cleared up and because I got this appetite for the Bible. Pigtails. Yeah. (laughs) Stop pulling the pigtail. Right. Stop doing drugs, whatever. Mm -hmm. I would say, no, no. Change your testimony and say, God did a work in my life before I came to faith in Christ. Right. It was a wonderful work, just like Cornelius. He did a lot of great things before he came to faith. Mm -hmm. But then I heard that if you simply believe in Jesus, you're secure forever. And I believed it. And at that point, I was born again. The point is, when did you know that by faith in Jesus, you were secure? And a lot of people don't want to change their testimony. And the reason why is, but I had an experience.
2: Yes, there's an emphasis on experience rather than Christ.
1: So you end up interpreting the Bible in light of your experience instead of interpreting your experience in light of the Bible.
2: Yes, it's a major problem. So going back to Paul, though. All right, let's get back to Paul. We'll we'll circle back to the experience thing because I I think there's a lot to be said on that topic as well. So maybe next episode. But for Paul, again, if you were to take a class or you know be on a mission trip, they're going to use Paul as the example of that three-step process. So step one, Paul was a Pharisee, evil, dun dun dun. You gotta, I <laughs> gotta have the noise, right? He persecuted the church, and he murdered. He held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen, right? I mean, he just was this monster of a man, right? And then step two. He came to faith on the road to Damascus. And then step three, he became, what did we say? Super Christian. Yeah. And gosh, if there's anybody who exemplifies, quote, super Christian, Paul's the guy, right? He became a missionary. He became an apostle. He could speak in tongues. He became the greatest missionary that ever lived. He wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, and then died a martyr. He became the greatest. And so you have... This extreme on both ends, right? He was a murderer. Right. And now he's the greatest, godliest missionary, apostle, martyr, writer of the scriptures that ever lived. Right. Now you need to have a testimony that follows that pattern. Yeah, good luck. luck. And so that's the first issue is that we are putting Paul as our standard. And so that's kind of the first question. Is that really, you know, is he the standard? Is he the one that we should try to emulate? Is that what we're called to do?
1: Yeah, but you made a good point talking about Acts 22. You were saying when Paul raised some of these points, he wasn't raising them to show how bad he was.
2: That's exactly right. So for example, in Acts 22, Paul is arrested, you know, happens to him once or twice. (laughs) And at the end of chapter 21, he's arrested and the mob's mad. And it's a a mob of Jewish people. And it's very interesting because Luke emphasizes something. Originally, Paul was speaking Greek, but then he switches and he begins to speak in Hebrew to the Jews. And then at the beginning of chapter 22, so it's easy to miss. uh,
1: Yeah, the last verse in uh, 21 says... Mm -hmm. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, and then we get to twenty-two, one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That other verse is verse 40 of chapter 21.
2: Right. And then in chapter 22, notice verse 2. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. It's purposeful is the point, right? He begins to speak in their own language. He begins to try and relate to them. And then he starts giving his testimony.
1: Now, by the way, when you say in their own language, a lot of the Jews that were in Jerusalem were trilingual. They would have spoken Greek. They would have spoken Hebrew. They would have spoken Aramaic. Now, maybe a small number would only speak Hebrew, but most everybody spoke Greek because that was the language of the day. So switching to the language of Judea, the Mm -hmm. language of Israel, certainly would have had an impact.
2: It was smart. Paul was being smart. And then he begins to give his testimony and he begins to talk about how he was a Pharisee and how he was taught. uh,
1: And that's not a bad thing to these people.
2: Exactly. And that's my point. Everything that Paul says next to his listeners was positive, was a good list. You know, when we talk about the standard testimony, step one, it's always describe all of your evil deeds that you did before. Paul did that. Look, he was a Pharisee and he persecuted the church. But is that his intent? In this passage, and I would say, no, his intention here as he's speaking to Jews is to relate to them and to say, I used to believe what you once believed. That's the focus. Yeah, here. He's connecting. He's connecting and it's a very positive list. In fact, in Philippians, you mentioned that he goes so far as to say I was blameless. Yeah. Now compare that to what our normal testimonies are. If we're supposed to emulate Paul's testimony, then are we supposed to be listing all of the godly things we used right. to do? Or I think that the application is actually misconstrued when we use Paul, that the point here isn't to list off a list of evil things that he once did as an unbeliever. His goal here is to relate to these people, specifically on the fact that he once believed what they believed. Right, And that's the focus. That should be all. You know, when you're talking to an unbeliever, if we could apply it today, is we want to relate to them and say, no, I understand your faulty thinking here because I once believed that. And let me tell you, I once believed that if we can, if we can make that connection.
1: And in the middle part, which you're calling part two, Mm -hmm. he's not saying, then I... Gave my life to Christ. Then I prayed the sinner's prayer. Then I walked the aisle. It's then I met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus and believed in him.
2: Right. We talk about Paul and just how, what a great story he is. And it's, it's unique. You know, it's a very, you know, I, I don't know anybody else who came to faith because the Lord met them on the road and blinded them in the light and audibly spoke to them. Right. That's if you were to say to a child, your testimony needs to look like Paul, I guarantee you they're going to walk away feeling very discouraged and like, I can't compete. But I would say that Paul does tell us in what way we can emulate him or how we've emulated him. And it's by faith. And he says so to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.
1: Okay. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.16 says, I'm an example mm-hmm. of those who are going to believe on him mm-hmm. for everlasting life.
2: Right. I'm in the pattern in this way. In what way? By belief. Not in some sort of experience, but it's that he's a pattern and that he believed in those who also believe follow that
1: and he believed in him for something specific right. which was the promise of everlasting life right and so yeah i think if we're going to call this an objection it's a weak objection because right. i have a friend who talks about weak sauce have you ever heard weak sauce no no well weak <laughs> sauce is some kind of expression that means it's really kind of lame when i was in college We called things bogus, something that just wasn't true. When you make an objection like this, it's kind of ridiculous because Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. He's the justification by faith alone, apart from works, man. He's the one that wrote Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right?
2: Right. 100%. And I also think that this is a really good example of our traditions can really hurt us (laughs) in our interpretation. And we need to go back and, and read through and think well, how did the readers understand this? How did, you know, a first century Jew listening to Paul give his testimony? How would if he heard that list? You know, we're coming in with our 21st century mindset, and that's really difficult. It's really difficult to lay that aside, and none of us do it perfectly by any means. But I do think this is a really good example of we really got to strive to divide the word, the truth. And,
1: and That's a good point. And, you know, one of the issues comes around the terms witness and testimony, when a person is a witness in a trial, then what they're giving is called testimony. Yes. But when we're a witness for Jesus Christ, what we're supposed to do is tell them about Christ. We're not supposed to tell them about us. Now, we can use our personal way I came to faith in Christ as a way to illustrate the message of John three sixteen. Yes. But we're not the message. Jesus is the message. We're not the promise. The promise of life is the promise. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me we get confused because we make it seem like the testimony is the message. Correct. No, our testimony should illustrate the message. And by the way, that's why... If your testimony doesn't come down to, then I believed in Jesus for everlasting life, yep. then you need to redo your testimony because it's not illustrating John 3, 16 or John 5, 24 mm-hmm. or Ephesians 2, 8, 9 or Acts 16, 31. Yeah. It needs to illustrate whatever your anchor verse is, right? And we yes. all should have an anchor verse.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And I think that maybe in our next episode, we can talk more about this idea of experience versus point people to the truth I think that's a major issue
1: all right we'll do that next time and let's keep grace in focus
0: thank you both for that great discussion are you interested in finding other free grace believers just like yourself in your area well you can do that by going to our website faithalone.org that's faithalone.org on our website we have a church tracker It's an easy-to-use map that will help you locate those other Free Grace churches that might be in your area. So come visit us at the website and take advantage of our free church tracker. It's at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. Next time on Grace and Focus, what if, by the way, you gave your testimony, it actually became a false testimony? You wouldn't want that. Find out more and join us on our next Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.